Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment. Welcome to Farm Equipment's Used Equipment Remarketing Roadmaps Podcast. In this episode, host Casey Seymour of Moving Iron LLC sat down with regular guest Chip Nellinger of Blue Reef Agri-Marketing. If this is your first time listening, you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or TuneIn Radio. By subscribing, you're alerted when each new episode is released. In this episode, Casey and Chip discussed the January crop report from USDA and some big surprises in the corn market. They also talk about what's happening in the soybean, livestock, and wheat markets. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing, and Chip comes on every Tuesday to talk about the market, typically record in the morning, but since this was reported, we thought, hey, we'll wait till after the close, because how crazy could it possibly get? But man, Chip, we were, look, the the, uh, the corn market really uh, caught some people by surprise. Uh, it sure did. Uh, we knew that the January crop report always historically can have some fireworks in it, but uh, man alive, this was a little bit of a, uh, you know, Head scratcher, I guess. This thing was uh, explosive today. The the two main things that jump out uh, are all on, it's all in the corn. This was all about corn. This report, uh, 3.8 bushel decrease in yields uh, down to 172. The low estimate coming into this was 173.8. So that was um, that was a big change. That was bullish in its own right. But probably the the other thing was the quarterly stocks. Now, remember, this is different than ending stocks. Our, our ending stocks did go down $150 million to $1.552 billion bushels. And that was towards a low, that was obviously lower than the, the average estimate. Now, now, with this, the USDA decreased corn usage by $250 million. Um, in my opinion, that's forward-looking uh, due to the fact that the quarterly stocks were so friendly that I believe they feel, and statistically on paper, that we've got a ration demand. And so they're proactively assuming that prices are going higher and those higher prices are going to eventually slow demand down. So they did, they did cut out 250 million bushels of corn usage. But the, the, real, the real stunner of this thing is the quarterly stocks number. Now, this is as of December 1st. This is not the ending stocks. The ending stocks is what the USDA projects at $1.55 billion what we're going to have at the end of the marketing year. Quarterly stocks is what, um, as of December 1st, how many stocks were available um, in farmer-owned storage, commercial storage, and in transit in uh, rail and barge. And it came in at 11.322 billion bushels. That was almost exactly the same as one year ago. And, um, you know, all the while, we're raising a pretty big, big crop here. And the, the, the big kicker is it was 630 million uh, bushels below the average estimate and um, about 270 million bushels below the low estimate. So this thing was um, significantly lower than what was expected as far as stocks go, uh, essentially the equivalent of a year ago uh, with, you know, a a big crop. So all about demand, huge demand, even though the USDA is cutting it in, you know, I, I guess proactively due to the assumption we're going to ration demand on this rally. And then the 3.8 bushel yield loss. And uh, boy, we had to limit up first. I don't know uh, the, the, the numbers here. First time we've had limit up corn for a long, long time. 25 cents higher is the limit in corn. Closed the March corn at 517 and a quarter. Several year highs there. New crop December 
458 and a half highest we've had in uh, many, many years, as far as new crop goes this far out. And so uh, that's where the fireworks uh, were seen today was in the corn market. Beans were all, you know, it wasn't negative necessarily. It wasn't a bearish report on beans, but it was all within expectations. They went down a half a bushel on yields to 50.2. Demand, uh, really, demand left unchanged, but the carryout down 35 million uh, to 140 million. That was basically right on the average estimate. Total production 4.135 billion. You know, within 20 million bushels of the average estimate. Even the quarterly stocks number 2.933. That was actually uh, 13 million bushels above the average estimate. So nothing was shocking in the bean number uh, across the board. They left the Brazilian bean crop unchanged at 133 million, and they did drop the Argentine bean crop 2 million tons to 48. But historically, USDA is um, the, the last in line to move South American production figures. The market doesn't really look to the USDA for uh, up-to-the-minute direction or, or crop size as far as it relates to South America or other world numbers. They're very reactionary. They'll be the last to move that. So the market looks instead to private estimates uh, out of Brazil and the Southern Hemisphere. But uh, that's kind of where it was at, Casey. There's a lot of numbers in there, but the uh, the most explosive was corn, wildly bullish. That stocks number was uh, really, really a shocker to the market. And uh, synthetically in the options trade, the market, the corn market was uh, likely settled up about another seven cents, seven and a half cents. And so um, it's likely that tonight we we gap the market higher. Where you stop this thing, nobody knows, right? You, you never mm-hmm. know a market like this. How it ends and, and how high you got to go to start rationing demand. Um, was interesting to see today the deferred livestock futures finally figuring out we got a real problem here with uh, soy oil surging higher. And, you know, you're looking at uh, $465 soy meal and $5 corn and these deferred uh, livestock futures today finally caught some wind to that. And they're, they're starting to rally in, in the back end knowing, Hey, we got, we got to keep up uh, and do our part to stay, keep people solvent in the livestock industry uh, with $5 corn and right. $460 soy meal. Yeah. That's uh, some pretty steep math compared to what stuff's been coming for out there. Talk about wheat for a minute. So hard red winter wheat had a pretty good run today, too. It seems like they were, it was up almost 30 cents, I think, when last time I looked. Yeah, th- I think the wheat market's more of a follower right now. There wasn't anything <clears throat> necessarily wildly bullish in this wheat report today. Mm-hmm. Um, they did cut our old crop carryout just a little bit, $836 million, down $26 million, uh, or $26 million under the average estimate. Um, nothing wildly bullish there. The, the planted acreage number was actually maybe a touch higher, uh, just right at 32 million uh, total acres. The average estimate was 31.5. So there's nothing in the report necessarily that was friendly to the wheat. I think the wheat's also reacting to some news out of Russia um, about, uh, you know, how much they're, when are they going to start this export tax? How much is it going to be? Um, and that's coming up supposedly in February. There was some talk that maybe we're going to start that early. Uh, allegedly, President Putin over there is uh, still 
uh, not happy that domestic wheat prices have not uh, reacted lower. And so I think the the wheat markets may be um, caught in, you know, kind of some uh, unknown about what's going on in, in Russia and what they're going to do as far as exports. And, you know, that's a back and forth. You never know till after the fact there. But and, and obviously corn being limited up uh, a lot, easy reason to buy wheat. There's no reason wheat's going to go lower when corn's limited up and one of the most bullish, uh, you know, January crop reports in the case of corn and many, many years and, and arguably ever uh, from the stocks report standpoint with that big of a cut to the stocks. That was uh, just a real outlier there. And so spilling over, you know, easy to buy the wheat market. The funds don't have much of a, a position one way or the other in the wheat market. They're loaded up in, in corn. They're loaded up in beans on the long side. They uh, really don't have much of a of a position built up in wheat. So um, wheat might just be playing a little catch up to what corn's doing, reacting to some of these rumors out of uh, Russia. But, you know, sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. Obviously, they have a problem if they're contemplating an export ban or an export tax of some sort. Yeah, uh, right. There is a yeah. problem in that Black Sea area, Russia specifically. Yeah. And um, when there's smoke, there's fire. And when corn's limit up, it's easy to buy the wheat market. Right. Okay. Couple, one more thing. Um, well, actually, two more things. The strength of the dollar right now compared comparatively to what's going on. And as you take a look at the export market, it feels like there's still a lot of fuel out there for uh, exports based on where how the dollar is comparatively to, to the rest of the world right now. But as these prices keep ratcheting up, what's your thought about exports and how's that all playing together right now? Yeah, so um, that's a great question. That's a little bit of a moving target. Even though prices are high here, you know we're north of fourteen dollars now in in uh, on March and May bean futures. We've seen China continue to buy bean U.S. beans. Um, I think both Monday and Tuesday this morning there were some fresh uh, bean sales announced to to China, and so some of that is going to depend on what's the final crop size out of South America and how much uh, do they have to export here in the February through you know April May timeframe. The dollar is at a pretty um, critical point here, in my opinion, on a long-term weekly chart uh, down in this 88 to 90 area. Uh, we're trading uh, right at 90 right now uh, on the U.S. dollar index. Uh, that's been some old highs from back like 08, 09, 2010. Um, from a few years ago, we spent a lot of time going sideways about you know the better uh, part of a not quite half a year in this 88 to 90 range, and so we're kind of in a pretty important support area. We've seen a little bit of pushback. The dollars had a little bit of a bounce, but it kind of reversed back lower today. So in my mind, if you push under the 88 area on the dollar, that opens the door up for a whole nother move to the downside and, and probably is going to maybe throw some uh, fuel on this inflationary talk, um, you know, across all commodities. Obviously the grain markets have their own fundamental reason why it's bullish, but if the dollar would break under 88 and China keeps buying and the rest of the world keeps buying, uh, it's going to throw some additional fuel on this, uh, on this bull fire. We got crude oil, kind of same thing. Crude oil's, you know, north of $53 now. It's just quietly, you know, climbs 50, 60, 80 cents a day. And, and now we're north of 53 bucks there. And so it, it kind of plays in, I think with this whole inflationary type, uh, environment that we're in and the grain market w would be rallying on its own right but now you kind of put this inflationary type talk in and 
it's a little bit of a wild card, you know, new administration coming in and a lot of unknowns with what's going to happen. They're going to be shutdowns. How's this COVID thing going to work? What's the, the tone of this new administration going to be to ag, uh, you know, Biden said publicly he wants to ban fracking. Will he follow through on that? That's bullish crude oil and maybe breeds a little more margin into ethanol. If that's going to happen, uh, the EPA, uh, you know, already has been a little bit negative to, uh, to, uh, ethanol as it, as it has been, you know, what's their tone going to be it might take a few months to figure a lot of these things out, but, uh, this thing's going to get very interesting in 2021. It's going to keep us all on yeah. our toes. Yeah, so that was my next question. I was going to ask you with crude oil coming up the way it has today, especially closing up almost 93 cents today, and then you start looking at the price of corn to the price of uh, ethanol, and then how those two play together. Um, you very well answered that, but you, you could start seeing some, especially if the fracking thing takes happens, takes hold, and he does does something like that. The uh, there just might not be enough oil out there uh, just from the, from a price standpoint to where ethanol doesn't make sense anymore. You, you see what I'm saying? From a, from a price standpoint. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, there's no doubt. That's a margin deal uh, as is livestock feeding, right? I mean, it's all mm-hmm. margins. And so you say, well, how high does corn have to go? It's $5 stop it. It's five fifty to six to seven. It kind of depends on the margins offered on ethanol, the margins um, in livestock and, Every other time we've had a big run like this, eventually it does drag the livestock higher. And I do think you started to see that today, finally. It's, it's not, um, you know, the animals on feed right now necessarily that, uh, you know, are going to get, um, you know, go to the slaughterhouse here, the packing plant within the next 30 days. It's, you know, three and six months down the road. And you saw these deferred uh, livestock you know, triple digits higher. Summer hogs, um, you know, up a buck. They're north of 85, right at 85 in the June and north of 86 in the July. And you finally saw some of these deferred live cattle um, starting to climb the day too, where the, you know, the August was up a buck 10, the Octobers were up a buck 15. And here in the nearby, they were unchanged to lower. So uh, it's all about margins and, you know, how high is high. I don't know. That's all relative when you, start getting to these levels in, in, in corn because it's about the margins in ethanol and livestock because those are the first two places that you're going to cut demand and, and start rationing demand. So uh, lots of unknowns out there. You know, this fracking thing plays into that. The dollar plays into that. South American crop size obviously plays into that. The bulk of, um, you know, as far as Brazilian corn, they did, the USDA did go down a million metric tons to 109, but, you know, probably about 60, 65% of that crop is, um, is a second crop. So they're not even planted yet. They plant that after their beans. So that'll be planted here, um, you know, probably a month from now, sometime uh, mid February, three, four weeks down the road. And so that's an unknown um, as far as what that second crop corn is going to be in Brazil. You know, do they start getting better rains? There's some hints at the long-term forecast, maybe that uh, you're going to see a pattern shift. I guess you could argue also that's uh, they get in a real rainy scenario. Uh, maybe that's bullish corn, right? Because if they can't get stuff planted timely, uh, their second crop corn windows a lot smaller down in Brazil. And so if, if, you know, how about a Murphy's law situation there, they beg for rain all, all year in the, uh, you know, during their first crop beans. And finally they get a, get a shift and, and, uh, but it gets wet and rainy and they can't get their second crop corn planted on, on time. That's, uh, probably about how that goes for them. When, when uh, you start with a problem, you usually 
roll that into more and more problems. So a lot of stuff that's ahead of us here to affect these markets. Uh, and it's going to get super volatile. I know we've talked about that before. I've been preaching that, but, uh, and, and you really haven't seen that yet. It's been straight up, but every day that goes by, I think we're closer and closer to some, uh, gut churning volatility. Yep. Well, yeah, just like you, just like you said there, I mean, whether you're, even though prices are going up, we see some good moves and some stuff and we see things stacking up to look like there's some, some good moves forward. There's still going to be a lot of volatility, which means sticking to your plan is even more important than it's ever been. So if folks are working on that plan chip and uh, need some questions, just some guidance on, on what to do and how to, and where to start, what's the best way to get a hold of you guys at Blue Reefs to help them through that? Yeah, best way just to give us a call at the office. It's 309-550-7213. Uh, we'd love to talk to you. Right now it feels like, help, why do I need help, right? I mean, it goes up every day. This is great. But uh, the other the other side of this is it's going to get treacherous, um, you know, before it's said and done. And, and we all know how this story ends. You start choking demand off and you start raising big crops in both hemispheres and all of a sudden – that extra supply overwhelms the demand that's already been cut. So the back end of this is, uh, is going to get dicey and uh, it's going to require, uh, you know, keeping our nose to the grindstone here and having a plan and taking action. That's Chip Nellinger with Blue Reef Ag Marketing, and I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions. Also, any blog posts I get posted will show up there as well. Go to movingironllc.com. That's where you find everything Moving Iron related. Moving Iron Summit is going to be held September 15th through the 17th in Nashville, Tennessee. Had to move those uh, January dates um, from the 20th through uh, the 23rd till uh, to the this fall with the, the old COVID thing. So hopefully all that gets gets fixed and we can move forward there. So thanks, Casey and Chip. We've got even more used equipment remarketing resources that we're sending your way. In addition to this podcast, we're also tapping into Casey's expertise across all our informational channels. If you've got a question for Casey, I'd encourage you to head over to farm-equipment.com backslash ask the expert. Submit a question and we'll get Casey's answer to it up on our Ask the Expert blog. And you can keep up on the latest industry news by registering online to receive our free newsletters. Visit www.farm-equipment.com. For Casey and Chip, as well as our entire staff here at Farm Equipment, I'm Kim Schmidt. Thanks for listening.